welcome to our virtual town hall. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Alicia Arnell, Director of Access for Providence Oregon Medical Groups. Before we start, I want to say thank you, Providence, for bringing all of these amazing voices together. And thank you to Dash Radio for giving us a platform. Let's meet our panelists, starting with Nikki. Hi. Would you mind introducing yourself? Um, I'm Nikki, um, the CEO of Nick of Time Entertainment and mother of three, I would say amazing teenagers, but I don't think that exists. So I'm a mother of three adolescent boys. Thank you. And Sarah. Hi, Sarah Gerard. I'm the owner of Rocketwork Social Media, a social media strategist, and I am the mother of two teenage boys. Great. And Dr. Brasotti. Hi, thanks for having me here. I am the Chief Administrative Officer for Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center's Children's Hospital. I'm also the Acting President for the Washington Chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I'm also the father of 28-year-old twin girls. We're both that same. Great. And Des. Hi, I'm Des Smith. I'm a director of creative content at T-Mobile USA based here in Seattle, Washington. I'm the father of a 17-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Great. The COVID-19 pandemic has been hard on all of us, especially our children and teens. They've missed out on a lot and have had to sacrifice some of what makes kids kids. They're also suffering from the social, emotional, and mental effects of the pandemic. Fortunately, there's now a path forward. The COVID-19 vaccines available in the US today are encouraged and have been proven safe and effective for those who are 12 years of age and older. While Providence is not, does recommend that every person who can get the vaccine will get it, we know that it might, be, it might not be the right fit for all. It is important to talk with your child's healthcare provider to discuss what options are available. Vaccination is a personal decision and an important one to make for your children. During today's discussion, the panelists will be invited to openly and honestly discuss their viewpoints and a Providence pediatric specialist will share what is known about youth and the COVID-19 vaccines. Thank you all for being here and let's get started. So, First topic is viewpoints on getting youth vaccinated. So we will start with Sarah. What are your feelings towards the COVID-19 vaccines for youth? And if you are comfortable sharing, did you decide to get your children or child vaccinated? Yeah, actually both my boys are vaccinated um, and I was thrilled when it became available for their age groups. Um, because it has been hard. Like you said, it's been a very difficult time, especially for my older one who graduated high school this year. He missed out on so much. Um, but I am very, very glad that they're both vaccinated. Um, and we'll get into it a little bit later about their hesitations because they both had very different reactions when I recommended getting them. And what influenced your decision? Um, well, I'm vaccinated, um, their father is vaccinated, and I just want to get back to regular life, right? And I trust the scientists, I trust the people who have been doing this and researching for decades. Um, I have no hesitation around it. 
Great. Des, how about you? What are your feelings towards the COVID-19 vaccine for youth? And if you're comfortable sharing, did you decide to get your child or children vaccinated? Certainly. So yes, uh, our family, both my wife and I discussed it with our kids. Um, our son is old enough to be vaccinated. Uh, he has asthma and desperately wanted to get vaccinated right away just because he's slightly more susceptible to potential problems or complications. Uh, and so we spoke with him. He He's not a fan of, of needles. So it's always been a little bit of a challenge with flu shots and things like that to get him to hold still. But he was he was raring to go, and uh, I went with him to the vaccine vaccine site uh, and kind of stood by him the whole time. I wasn't eligible when he was, uh, and so he went and got his vaccine, and I followed up shortly after. Now, our daughter is 10, uh, and she would also like to be vaccinated, and so we are staying on top of the news and information uh, as much as we can to learn about uh, advancements for vaccines for kids her age when they might become available and what we can do to get her vaccinated as well. Thank you so much. Great answer to that. Um, Nikki, what about you? Um, my children or myself are vaccinated. Um, at this time, I'm not um, comfortable getting it, nor are they. Um, they're very in tune with everything that's going on. They are athletes, they're student athletes, um, both football and basketball. And even though we're trying to regain the normalcy of day-to-day -day activities, they actually never stopped playing. Um, their travel teams, et cetera, they, they, they didn't stop playing. And um, we are taking precautions, of course, we wear our masks everywhere we go. So I don't believe at all that it's a myth. I mean, the COVID is real. It's, you know, it's tangible. Clearly we, it's happening, but just for my, just my own personal and theirs as well. Um, we just don't want to get vaccinated yet. I want to see more about it. I think since it's three different um, companies that are doing it, I want to see which ones are offered to myself versus that's kind of stuff that I'm still researching versus maybe offered to different people, whether it's the class of individual, the, um, you know, economic, where it falls. I just want to make sure that we're getting the right thing for one. And also I've lost, I've had, I've got few friends, really good friends that um, have lost children after getting, they were getting vaccinated, not from COVID, but just regular vaccines, you know, as babies that can be attributed to SIDS or et cetera. And we don't have underlying health conditions. So at this point, I just feel, and as they do, like, is it, well, they have different takes on it, but is it worth it for us? Because, you know, everything is not for everyone. Great. Thank you for your honesty, Nikki. Dr. Marsodi, this is for you. What does the CDC report on the safety of, of COVID-19 vaccinations for youth? I think this is a this is the crux this is an important question and but i want to start by by speaking to nikki really quickly thank you for your honesty i think what you showed us is something that i think the medical profession is really trying hard to wrap its arms around and sort of figure out is that judging people about whether or not they got vaccinated is not helpful to anybody thank trying you. to typecast people into certain categories really is detrimental and certainly not everybody out there who is not vaccinated for covid is also an anti-vaxxer those two things do not have to go together 
and we do nobody any service by lumping people in the groups. I think it, it's important that we do not do that and that we actually listen to what you just said, Nikki. You gave me a whole bunch of reasons why you're at this point considering the vaccine, but have yet to pull the trigger on it. And I think that's the conversations we need to have right there. So, so I thank you thank for that. You. Framed that. That was awesome. From a safety point of view, back to your question, sorry about that. But from a safety point of view, I think what's really important here is that we deal with the science that's going on and we sort of separate some of the disinformation that's out there, right? Um, so when you look at side effects to the vaccine, and I'm gonna step, I'm gonna start by saying, you're gonna get the mild tender, side tenderness. You're gonna get the inflammation in the arm. You're gonna get a little bit of fever. You're gonna have some malaise. Everybody's gonna get that differently. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? That, everyone gets that and that's, that's, that's paying your price. You know, that, everyone gets that. The real question here is how safe is it for other things? And things come up, things like autoimmune disease, things like infertility, things like um, myocarditis are coming up. Are these real issues associated with this vaccination? And I'm going to say that I'm not an OBGYN, but all the data on um, should you get it when you're pregnant and or does it cause infertility have all disputed it put stress. Um, the autoimmune thing was something that came up early on when they were working on this vaccine prior years and years ago that it was a potential. There had been actually no signs of autoimmune disease associated with this vaccine. And now we have millions and millions of doses out there over seven months period of time. So we're seeing that sort of stuff. The other thing I'd like to clarify is that, yes, if you're going to say, but it's a child and I don't know five years from now that this vaccine isn't going to cause a problem five years from now, that we can't know that piece of information yet. So I'm going to be honest about that. What I can say is that when you look at vaccines in general, across the board, all vaccines, nearly every single side effect that you see or problems with it or adverse effects occur around the time of the vaccine but almost all within the first year within a vaccine. When you get beyond all that, really, I can never say never. Something's gonna show, but those numbers, that risk is tiny and very, very small. And that's just the statistic behind it. Then back to your original question, is it safe? The answer is yes, it's safe. We have all sorts of studies looking at this. We have proven its safety in the lab. They've proven the safety in um, the trials that were done before uh, we cleared it for emergency use of authorization. Uh, a point on that, no no corners were cut in that. The, um, the emergency authorization did not eliminate all the safety studies that was done before they got that. When it comes to PEDS and pediatrics, the question is, does the um, immunization cause myocarditis? I think that's one of the big questions that's out there. I think we have noticed that there's an increase, it feels like there's an increased number of myocarditis that occur um, sometime in the two to three days after the second dose. We have looked at this and looked at this because I got to, let me give you a little background. 
myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart, right? Um, and you look at myocarditis, and the age group is going to get myocarditis, forget COVID, forget the COVID vaccine. The age group that's going to get myocarditis is the adolescents, young adults. That's where you see it. So already we're picking for that age group right, right away. Two, myocarditis is a side effect of COVID, the COVID virus. So if you get COVID, one of the risks you have is to get a myocarditis. When we tried to sort that information, pull that out, pull out what the baseline level of myocarditis is and how much the shot influenced it, I think they still thought there might be a correlation between the two. They have looked at that over time and they continue to look at it. It has not made the level of a red flag warning yet, but we are tracking it. Um, and it's important that we were honest about that, that we can only know what we know, right? Um, but what we've noticed about those adolescents who did get the myocarditis, it was all very self-limited and self-resolving. And at least to date, there's been long-term consequences based on that. Now, will that change over the, the next year as more and more adolescents get uh, vaccinated and we learn more? I doubt it, but certainly that's a possibility. The other interesting thing is we're not seeing as much myocarditis today um, as we did in the spring, which is the high point in the background of when you're going to see myocarditis anyway. So it's just there's a, there's a lot of things at play here, but that is the one that we'll continue to track. And I think that's the other super important point here is that the vaccine's been put out there with all the best information we have, and then we continue to We have official agencies throughout the country tracking all side effects, pulling them and researching them and deep diving them to see what they mean. And we look at that stuff very, very closely. And then we have other organizations such as the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is saying, okay, uh, VIRS at CDC, as you look at that stuff, the, the Academy is coming in behind them and double checking to make sure they're not seeing something as well. So there's a lot of eyes on this. Um, and to date, it has proven to be a very, very safe and effective vaccine. Thank you so much for that, that um, response, Dr. Barsotti. Our second topic is youth life during COVID-19, changes and challenges we have faced. So Sarah, first question is for you. How did you talk about vaccines with your family when they first started to become available? And what was the general feeling about getting vaccinated amongst your kids' peer groups? Well, that's, uh, that's mixed, right? They have a pretty diverse group of friends um, and some of them were all for it. And I think it really just depends on the parents' influence and um, talking with them about you know the um, the facts and the misinformation and you know clearing up any misunderstandings. But my youngest was for it. My my 15 year old, he was like, yeah, sure, we got the flu shot last fall, and you know, like like Des said, they they're a little needle hesitant, but once they got the flu shot, they're like, that's it. Okay. And I said, you know, the COVID vaccine is not going to hurt any more than the flu shot. It's going to be exactly the same. 
Um, and it'll help us get back to, you know, being able to go to school, being able to go to sporting events, hanging out with your friends, doing all the things that you guys love to do. Um, like I said, it was pretty rough for my older one. He just turned 18 today, actually. Um, and he missed out on half his junior year and his entire senior year. And so he was really feeling the, the pain. But he also has a group of friends who are like, why would you get the vaccine? It does all of these terrible things. And so we really had to sit down and talk through all of his turn one by like, I hear it does this. Well, you know, these studies and these doctors and these organizations say that this is the actual facts, right? Like, let's look at the data, let's look at the science, and let's not watch YouTube videos from random people about it, right? Like, we need to get the actual facts on it, you know, because they spend a lot of time on YouTube, as you can imagine. So, um, but the peer groups, like I said, um, my my older one did have a chance to play baseball this spring, which is great. They all asked. Um, but their team was outwardly admitting or not admitting, but proud of the fact that they were vaccinated. Right. And so I think that helped bring him around. And also his high school had um, vaccination days. Um, so that helped him feel like, OK, this is, you know, this is more acceptable. This is safe. I feel more comfortable now. And but he did bring up concerns to me. He did. We did. We talked through them one by one and made sure that he felt comfortable about it. Great. Thank you, Sarah. Des, how have those in your social groups responded to getting the COVID vaccine for their kids? And does the status of the vaccination play a role in your decision when allowing your kids to socialize with them or not? Yeah, I think for, for us, it's um, we've been, we're big on masks. We were big on masks very early. Uh, and so what we tried to do with our kids is talk to them about it and then talk with our friends. So, uh, you know, we have a, of course, we all have a couple of families that you're closer to than others. And, and people did have differences of opinion about vaccinations. Um, and so what we tried to do is, and plus, you know, the other thing was, is different folks had uh, different availability to get their vaccinations if they wanted them. So we knew that there was kind of that middle time, if you will, where some folks were getting vaccinated, some folks were not ready yet to get vaccinated, and some folks uh, didn't have the opportunity yet to get vaccinated. So we kept the lines of communication as open as we could uh, when we talked with our kids. We reminded them to wear masks uh, when they were with all of their friends, all their peer groups, uh, and not to, to, as Dr. Barsodi said, not to not to look at someone differently because they're not vaccinated or they're, or or whatever the case was. We just we always took the caution on our side to help protect our friends by wearing masks, and to get vaccinated when we could. Uh, and then being aware of the situation. So what we did is for all of uh, all of our daughter's friends, especially when they wanted to have uh, any kind of normal play date, if you will, we tried to keep those activities outside. Uh, even when it was a friend quote coming over to visit, uh, we uh, have the uh, the small luxury of having a, a backyard with a table and whatnot, so they could play it on different sides of the table and kind of keep that social distancing. They wore masks. Um, and then as folks got vaccinated, 
we still were very aware of the fact that other folks, of course, either couldn't or have chosen not to yet. Uh, and so we just kept that up. We kept our mask wearing up. We kept our distancing up as best we could. I mean, they're kids. They're going to they're gonna get closer to each other and, and touch each other. Uh, my older son, my son, who's older, um, one of his very close friends actually contracted COVID and was out for quite some time. So having a close friend who was affected by it, he was very aware uh, of how potentially dangerous it could be and how easy it could be to uh, contract it. And so it, it was just a good reminder for our family to, you know, help take care of ourselves, which also helps, helps take care of others. Thank you, Deb. Nikki, what were some <laughs> challenge, what, are, what were some, some of the biggest changes to your children's lives during the pandemic? How have they been affecting you and your family? Well, I think like um, what was touched upon, upon earlier um, is that, I mean, when you have teenagers, I had, a, my, my youngest son is a, was a freshman last year. So I feel, he feels like he was gypped, of course, on that first freshman experience being actually in school with the socialization, et cetera, um, especially because as a freshman, he, um, they came and got him from where he is, um, where he's supposed to go to school to play varsity ball. So he was just really excited. And that kind of, you know, dimmed his light for a while. And I think he's, you know, it caused him to kind of be sad, a little depressed. Um, I'm not used to my children really being um, depressed or sad. You know, I felt the sadness. I felt the heaviness of the, of the pandemic after so much time, they're just home with me. And, you know, they, they miss that, that um, day to day. And then, for my middle son, he is 17. He's a senior this year. And last year, I mean, and he has ADD. So going to school online was so hard for him. And it showed in his grades to the point that he was like, you know, I'm not gonna even do this college thing. My grades are so bad now. And I mean, they're not bad, but you know, they're used to getting A's and B's and it was just hard on him. He couldn't, he needs that social interaction. and into um, you know, more of an auditory and visual learner. You know, he's not really an independent study type of kid. So that's, that was really hard. I'm just now kind of getting them back on the college train, you know, which is just difficult. So they, don't, they didn't have that interaction. Um, but as far as them playing extracurricular activities was the sports. That's the only thing pretty much that they had. Um, they didn't understand why they here in Vegas, the schools were closed, but the water parks were still open and they wanted to go to the park with their friends. They're like, okay, it's, it's fine. Everyone else is fine. And I'm like, no, you're staying home. You know what I mean? I don't know what Vegas is doing, but what I'm doing is not that. So we wore the masks, we do that. Um, but I do think that it was heavy. I can, I just saw the difference in them and idle time for some people, what they say, idle time is the devil's playground. So you know, it's just me keeping an eye on them, watching the content of YouTube, watching their social media, make sure that they're not doing anything they shouldn't do. So, I mean, it was kind of trying as a family, of course, you know? And then I take care of my mom, she has MS. So of course she's vaccinated, but just make sure she was okay before the vaccine was even available or, you know, it, it's hard. So it was pretty, pretty tough. Don't want people over and you don't want to go over there because you can contract it. So. I can relate to so much of what you just shared, Nikki. Thank you for thank you for your share. 
Dr. Barsodi, how do you navigate conversations about vaccines when people have different viewpoints on the vaccine than yours from a medical stance? Another great question. And I'm going to do this again. I'm going to go back to Nikki for a second. So I swear, Nikki, I'm not trying to pick on you, but you it's okay. Treat me like a stepchild. So I, I just want to comment about what Nikki said real quickly first. Nikki, again, framed this up beautifully. And I'm going to do the other side of this. So Nikki really explained about how her, her one son felt gypped about not getting the social experience and introduction into high school as a freshman. She talked about how she had children that typically are never depressed, and yet she began seeing some of those symptoms in her kids. She began, she spoke about how the social interaction was a big glaring miss for her family, and it really created other issues. Mm-hmm. All that is true. And what I want to do is say, when you look at this from a national point of view, all that bears out in statistics. So this is not a unique thing that Nikki and her, her family or Vegas experienced. Everyone experiences. We saw record numbers of kids um, being depressed, showing up to emergency rooms with um, admission diagnosis related around behavioral health. The number of suicide attempts in adolescents doubled during this whole pandemic and keeping people inside. Um, the successful suicides increased as well. So. What Nikki described was very real and very much seen across the country, um, which is why one of the reasons the Academy is so strong in their voice saying, we have got to get kids back to school, number one, and number two, we have to get the kids back to school safely, number two. Mm-hmm. Thank you for letting me say that. Now, now we'll go to the question that you asked me. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna start by saying, Remember that my background is pediatrics, and actually in my practice, I'm a neonatologist, so I deal with preterm babies. So less COVID vaccine discussions in my world, right? But um, but I'm going to tell you right off the bat, but I'm a huge believer in vaccines, and I'm a huge believer in the um, the COVID vaccine. So that's my bias. But I think when it comes to medicine, whether we're talking about vaccines or we're talking about the next therapy we're going to do for your preterm baby. I see medicine as a team sport. So what I bring to the table is the medicine side of it, right? The, the science. Here's your option. If we go down this pathway, this is the potential problem. And I share that information. The patients, or in my world, the parents of the patient, right? Then share back about their goals, their worries, their understanding of medicine and how it applies to their family right? And then together we create a plan. And that's the plan we move forward to. So I see it as a team sport. And actually in the team sports broader than that, I have nursing involved in the discussion, right? We have other ancillary people in medicine in the hospital, just part of the discussion. If you're in a clinic, same thing. So I think that's how you need to address vaccinations. You need to really sit down with families and first share why you believe it's it's important, share the benefit, and honestly share the risk as you know it today. We need to understand, and Nikki brought this up earlier, that we only know what we know so far. We, we, we're not gonna make stuff up, right? And then you really have to listen to what your patient is telling you where their concerns are. 
and that was the first thing Nikki did in the first when she introduced herself. She really framed that well where her concerns lie. And then you have an honest conversation about those things. Judging will never get you anywhere. Demanding, you may get one person to agree with you, you're gonna get 10 that don't. So it's not, it's, not, it's, it's not a win. And the real win is keeping people safe. That's the win. And so that's the goals of the conversation. So that's how I would approach it. It's more about a dialogue. Great. Topic three, life after the pandemic, how will it shape our future? So Sarah, you're up first. What kinds of things are you most looking forward to when COVID and its variants are no longer a concern? Will a return to normalcy have an impact on your work and family? That's a tough one, you know, like life has changed, right? I mean, I've always worked from home for years now, so that part's not gonna change, but just the way you think about things now have changed, right? How you walk through the grocery store and how you throw parties and, you know, that's all gonna be a concern now. I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to go back to going to a concert, right? Like just, um, but, you know, we've, we've adjusted during the pandemic to be able to still do things outside and, you know, I bought myself and my youngest uh, um, mountain bikes and dirt bikes, and we're just going out and trying to be outside and do things and be active because as you said, and I think Nikki said this, like, I noticed a big difference in how he was interacting with the youngest one was <laughs> interacting with me, how he was feeling about things, how his even talking with friends, right? It's he's in his room most of the time. And to me, that doesn't feel healthy. That feels like we need to get out. We need to go do some things. And so I've been trying to make some adjustments to just our lives and our activities where this can carry into post pandemic. We can still do these outdoor activities and we we don't have to be crammed in, <laughs> crammed into places, right? I don't know that I'm ever gonna feel comfortable with that again. Actually, I wasn't comfortable with it before anyway. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as far as adjusting, I, I think we're just going to continue. And as things open up, we'll probably dip our toe in tentatively and make sure that's what we've been doing so far. Like, hey, no masks. You're all vaccinated. We're like, Meh. right? It depends. It depends on where we go. Like if we're out in a, in a park, sure. If we're in an indoor place and no, we're still wearing our masks. Yeah. Great. Thank you for your share. Mm -hmm. Ez, what have you been hearing from others about getting the vaccine for their kids when it is available to them? What is giving them hope or causing concern? I think our biggest challenge is um, from with ourselves and with our friends, um, I think the vast majority of us are all folks who want to get vaccine for our children who don't have it yet. Um, but the biggest concern or, or challenge is uh, information. Uh, it's, it's very scarce as to when, or I get maybe even accurate information, right? It's very um, scarce as to when the vaccine will become available for kids under the age of 12. We have a 10 year old, she's almost 11. She reminds us every day 
that she's almost 11. Uh, but it, uh, the challenge there is we've heard anything from could be as soon as September, could be a year from now. And so with that, it, that's tough because like, uh, like Sarah said, and like Nikki said, it's, we see a difference in our kids and we see how they behave differently and walking the dog and taking the scooter out for an afternoon stroll is kind of the best we can do for her. Uh, other than those, um, those play times where they have a, a masked tea party in the backyard, so to speak. Right. Uh, and, and we'd like to be able to do more. Uh, and we, we do some light traveling uh, as safely as we can. Um, but they understand that, you know, like Sarah said, when you're, when you're around other people, you hear me as a parent and my wife says it too, six feet, six feet, your mask, mask up over your nose, things like that. Just, just the little things that are very different um, that we as kids never had to deal with. And so I think more concrete information or, or any information, you know, tell us, tell us what you know today. Um, and if it changes, just give us an update because then we can communicate that with them as best as we can as parents. And it, it gives them hope. It gives them the idea that there will be some sort of light at the end of this tunnel. Right. Thank you. Nikki, how have your kids been managing throughout the pandemic, emotionally speaking? You've spoken a little bit about this. Do they or have they expressed any fears or anxieties related to COVID and or the vaccine? Um, well, my kids are just very, very different. First, I want to preface this. I didn't really say it earlier, but my eldest of the three boys, he will be 22 in a couple of months. He has a very rare disease and it was misdiagnosed so many times and I had so much faith in the doctors and it, you know, that kind of, I think has something to do with why I don't, I didn't run and jump and get this um, vaccine either is because I almost, he almost lost his life by listening to doctors. And, and I know at the end of the day, there no offense. I love the doctors, especially the one on this panel, but their card does say practicing medicine. So they can't perfect them. They're, they're humans, right? Like it's a science for sure. And, um, it's, it just makes me a little hesitant, just honestly. That's for myself. Um, now, I have one son that is, he's a, believes in the conspiracy theorists, right? So he, he's very analytical, he's only 15, but I mean, he has something to say about everything. He watches the presidential elections, he's, he's in there and he's been like that since he was like five years old. But he's a bright kid. And he's like, you know what? I don't know, mom. First, we can't, we can't go outside because the police are gonna kill us. We can't do this. And he's very matter of fact. And he's like, I don't know what's in this drug. And what if they're just, what if this is just another way to kill off more black men or more, you know, what if it's a Tuskegee airman type thing? He doesn't know. So in his own mind, I want him to figure out, although I, I don't, I'm definitely not against it. Um, I'm just not for it right now. I need to, you know, just do more research and figure it out. But he, he's one of the people that um, is on the computer, you know, looking and he's like, well, you know, back in whatever year Pfizer had this issue and they're one of the people who can get the Pfizer shot within Johnson Johnson, you can't trust their powder. So he just has all these things, you know, he's like always on the internet, but looking up, you know, things like this. So emotionally, I think coming, um, from my son and we, we've had roundtable discussions about it, 
the youngest one will say, you know, we, we can't catch it. We, it's been around forever and we haven't gotten sick or we haven't even had the flu ever in our lives and we don't get vaccinated for that. And um, I'm like, well, it's not the same type of thing. And my middle son, the 17 year old will tell him like, doesn't mean we can't get it just because we haven't. Like, have you been in a car accident? No, but they happen every day. So we know we kind of, so we're all, he and I are more on the same page that definitely should get it done um, than my youngest son. But the emotional aspects, I don't know more than what I touched on earlier about the mental and them being a little despondent um, because there's nothing else to do. I think on the flip side though, we have gotten closer um, because there's more time at home. It's more time um, amongst each other. Like I probably couldn't have pulled out a deck of Uno cards and played with my kids where they actually wanted to engage with me prior to COVID. And, but it's also harder on me because I do marketing in the entertainment industry. So it let me in a bad place for, you know, financially, I still have, you know, mortgages and car notes to pay and, and college tours to, to plan for my senior, but I'm not, you know, I'm making a fraction of the income. So, you know, it's, it's tough, but we're weathering the storm. And like you guys have all said about you pro-vaccinators, like you have all said that you want the world to return back to its normal um, status. And that's why, you know, you guys are one of the reasons you're for it. And I am too. I mean, I, I don't want to be locked up with teenage boys, but you know, so emotionally, I mean, we're, we're, we're taking it day by day. This happens to be the second week of school. So the boys are very excited. But then this morning I um, was watching the news and we have a, a city here called Henderson in Vegas, one of the suburbs. And as of today, they announced that they're going back to virtual learning and they've, we've only been in school a week. So I guess too many cases at that school. I'm not sure. I received since school has been in three different emails for um, one of my son's high schools with three different cases already. And that's just in one week. So I don't, I don't know. But for them, I am scared what that will do to them mentally and emotionally to have to revert back to being home and thinking that this is going to be a normalcy or just just you know it's just not not good for their social being and interaction i don't think to have to be at home and then i don't want them to give up if you will i mean not that i consider them or that i'm saying they're weak at all but it the place that i had to get my my eldest son to, well my middle son that's um, the senior where i have him right now he's just now turning that corner I see you know like yeah okay I'm back to doing these college tours I'm back into it I'm going to bring these grades back up to where they used to be and I don't want him to revert if we do have to transition back to um at home learning or distance learning thank you so much Dr. Barsodi what are some of the major impacts you impacts you foresee happening as a result of vaccine availability and acceptance for youth? Um, I, that's an interesting question. I think some of the impacts from vaccines, if we get enough people vaccinated, is to move toward normalizing life. But I don't think in the end, the normal is the normal that we had before. I think there'll be a new normal. There'll be changes that we have to deal with. 
I think masking is going to be a question that we're going to deal with for a long time. We're going to see that. In my world, virtual medicine, using telehealth as a way to offer care is going to be there to stay. Um, and I think by really doing this mass vaccination for children on a pandemic level is really going to um, give us direction and import into the next thing that comes our way in the future, right? Um, it would be sort of naive to think this, this is a one and done, right? That we, that at some point in the future, we're gonna face something else like this. Um, and having understanding of how to bring the, and, and treat the children safely and the next issue, whatever that be is, is hugely important. Um, so I think we'll, we'll get that out as well. Thank you. So this is for everyone. Um, if you could share one final thought about, about why you made the decision that you did regarding the COVID vaccine for your children, for yourself, what would it be? Closing remarks. We'll start with Sarah. Um, why we made the decision? For me, there's no question. Right, like we want to be protected, and that was the best way I could protect my children um, and our family. They had a grandmother die of COVID. Like they, they've seen the effects of it, and I want them to feel safe and protected as much as I can because we all feel like we don't have any control over life right now. I mean, I'm not as much control as we felt before. We never have full control, but um, I wanted us to feel safer than we did in sort of the beginning stage of COVID when we were just all like hoping it wouldn't happen to us, right? I know we're still there, but to have the vaccine for us gives us a little bit more of a confidence and safety feeling. Thank you. Dad. Yeah, I think for us, I would echo a lot of what Sarah said. It, we wanted to be protected. We wanted to protect uh, our loved ones around us, our friends, uh, by getting vaccinated as early and as quickly as we could when it was our turn. We understood that there were different folks that had a priority, you know, older folks and people more susceptible to to disease and and being affected by COVID. So we understand. We understood why we had to wait. Uh, but we were all in. And I think, you know, listening to Nikki speak, uh, we wanted to be, we also want to be advocates for those who are concerned or have concerns. We want to share our experience um, of how the vaccine affected each one of us. Because everybody, everybody had a very different kind of uh, response to getting the vaccine. Um, I was out for like two days, just dog tired, but if two days is all I had to pay for the security of knowing that those around me would be safe, it was, a, it was, a, it was okay to be out for the weekend, so to speak. Um, and so my closing remark would be, if you're considering it, please, please do everything you can. And we're always here to, to answer questions or to support you uh, in moving forward with it, because it will help us all get back to a better place. I don't, I don't think we'll ever be the same but uh, it would be nice to get back to a, 
a better place for ourselves and our kids and, and those around us. Absolutely. Dr. Barzodi? Yeah, this sounds like a, a selfish question, so I'm going to answer it specifically for myself. Mm -hmm. One, I'm going to have two, two lines here real quickly. One, I love my job. I really do, but I'm in medicine, which means I'm putting myself in the face of the virus more than most people, right? Because it's here, mm -hmm. it's in the hospital, the sicker people are here. So I want to be able to do my job and do it safely and protect my patients. So that's, I'm vaccinated, period. That's the end of that discussion for me. The other part of it is, is selfish again, but it's my family. I think life is short. I have 28-year-old girls. One girl lives, um, Katie lives down in Los Angeles, and she's writing comedy for television. I have another daughter who went my pathway, and she went to medical school, and she's in her second year of residency in Chicago. And then Anna and I live in Washington State. So I want to be able to be part of my kids' lives, and I want them to be a part of my life, and I want to be able to travel freely to them and have them come back home. And the only way to do that is to be vaccinated and have this whole thing behind us. Thank you. And closing us out, Nikki. <laughs> uh, the, the naysayer. Well, and I know that you guys, and I'm just going to be very transparent. Sarah, Des, the doctor, you guys have definitely mitigated the situation to where I, I think that you are very cognizant to not make me or other people that are in my position feel bad or anything. Um, and I do appreciate that. There is a flip side to that coin though, for people that may be listening, that um, out of all, all of you guys pretty much echoed each other by saying that you wanna keep your family safe. That's one of the main reasons you did it. But there are some of us who we think that this is for us keeping my family safe. I front and every day I raise little brown boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I protect them at all costs. And for me at this point, until I am fully educated and I'm doing treatment like a job, I'm reading like every time, every day, you know, and I'm reading factual stuff, not not um, you know, <laughs> posts and stuff like that. Um, but actual quantifiable data. But I think that I am, or not, not I think, I know I'm keeping my children safe in the way that I best know how. And I love my family. I don't want anything at all to happen to them. And the flip side of this coin, if they've never had an issue at all, no underlying health conditions with the exception of my oldest one, and something did happen to them after that, I would kill, it would kill me. So I just have to make sure that I'm doing the best thing for them. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. It has been a pleasure to meet each one of you and we look forward to ongoing conversation and discussions around the vaccine. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.